Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change where we talk about current events and how they relate to interpersonal violence and abuse. Outspoken is a project of the Hayes Caldwell Women's Center located in San Marcos, Texas. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse and is seeking support, services, or needs more information, links to resources can be found in our episode description. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the views of their organizations or affiliates. Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change. I'm Kiara. I'm Megan. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Claudia. We're continuing our summer movie series, and for this episode, we went to see Barbie, which was so fun and exciting. Yay! (laughs) We're going to be talking about the film and the themes that we saw in the film that relate to the work that we do. If you listen to the Little Mermaid episode, it's going to be the same. There's going to be spoilers in this episode because we're actually talking about the movie. So if you don't want any spoilers, go and see the Barbie movie first and then come back and listen to this episode after that. So we're going to start by talking about our relationship with Barbie, because um, I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us grew up with Barbie, at least in some capacity. I think to actually be American means that you grew up in Barbie, with Barbie in some capacity, <laughs> whether you wanted to or not. Um, so what's y'all's relationship with Barbie? Yeah, I loved, I was a Barbie girl. I grew up <laughs> in your Barbie Bar- world. <laughs> in my Barbie world. I had a Barbie dream house from like the... Uh, probably one of the earlier ones that was given to me by an older cousin so yeah it was that same like open floor plan that they had in the movie so I really felt like seeing that come to life that was very nostalgic for me um because they even had like the door like the glass doors down like the details were just this was like wow this is my childhood come to life um but yeah I love Barbie I had rollerblade Barbie like I think got discontinued for safety reasons and holy (laughs) hair Barbie and I had a couple kids, but yeah, I had definitely, I still have a few and I, I definitely had a ton as a kid. I also loved Barbie. I had a lot of them. I also had a lot of Barbie's friends and her siblings. Yeah. Um, I also loved the movie Life Size growing up. I don't know if y'all ever saw that movie. <gasps> with Tyra Banks. I wanna, yes, with Tyra Banks and Lindsay Lohan. And Tyra Banks is a doll named Eve who comes to life and she comes out of her own Barbie world, which in that movie it's called Sunnyvale or something like that. And it's very similar to this Barbie movie where she gets into the real world and she realizes that like things are not as they are where she came from and she learns a lot of life lessons and stuff like that. But it was just the biggest deal to me. I was like, this is so exciting. (laughs) She's with this life-size Barbie. And it meant a lot to me too for it to be Tyra Banks because like, Barbie was always so white. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, this is like a doll that looks like me. And she is like beautiful and amazing and like is the main character. So I love that so much. And I was always cutting my Barbie's hair. We'll get into talking about like weird Barbie. I think I created quite a few weird Barbies <laughs> yeah. on my own. I still have a scar on my finger from cutting Barbie's hair. So I just, I loved Barbie so much and loved the whole world that Barbie came with. I'm so glad you brought up that movie Life Size because I think that was the only Barbie thing that I liked. I <laughs> I was a weird Barbie factory because I did not like Barbie. I like as a child just fully rejected like the pressure to be feminine and so I just resented anytime somebody gave me something that was super femme, including my Barbie. So I turned all my little Barbies into clowns and butches because I felt like that was better for me 
<laughs> I love that. I also was a big Barbie fan. I had one of those um, like life-size Barbie Jeeps that you could actually drive around. I remember getting that <laughs> for Christmas. And I had four older boy cousins who were basically like brothers and they broke my Jeep. <laughs> yeah, RIP. And that hurts me. I, I have um, now as an adult have a white Jeep that reminded me of my childhood life-size Barbie Jeep. And in her honor, I named my current Jeep Barbara Barbie. We call her Barb. I love that. I love that so much that you have a life-size Jeep now. I love that for me, too. (laughs) Hopefully nobody actually breaks this one because that would be way more to fix. I know. It is, yeah. Adulting is hard. Yeah. I love that it was, like, inescapable that Barbie affected us. Like, everybody has a Barbie story. Sure. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the history of Barbie uh, because it's such a cultural icon and we all have that, you know, memory, whether good or bad. So we looked up a little bit uh, in that she was created by a woman named Ruth Handler, whose original reason was to give little girls a different option to have something to play with other than a baby doll. Um, She wanted them to have an adult doll to play with. And her philosophy behind Barbie was that through the doll, a little girl could be anything that she wanted to be and that she has choices and that, um, you know, not to just have only a baby doll. Barbie went on to have many different careers and opportunities starting, you know, I think the first Barbie came out in like 1959. But um, a lot of the careers that we saw Barbie have over the years happened before they were even really commonplace for women. So it was like a life imitates art uh, situation with Barbie because we had college graduate Barbie in 1962, which, you know, not a lot of women were graduating from college in the 60s. There was astronaut Barbie in 1965, which was before, which I think was even before the moon landing or maybe Mm -hmm. around that time. Um, And then President Barbie in 1992. And we have yet to have (laughs) a female president. So Barbie has been our uh, you know, been a glass ceiling breaker in the Mattel world for a very long time. She's ahead yes. of the times. Yeah, ahead of the times, for sure. <laughs> um, but then, of course, you know, we can't talk about the history of Barbie without the complication of, like, the real-life body issues that I think Barbie has caused for a lot of women and uh, and a lot of people because of her, un- you know, very... She's been uh, criticized for her unrealistic body proportions. We know that, like, realistically... And I know that it's been corrected I think a little bit now but especially the Barbies that I grew up with you couldn't walk on on two feet <laughs> with the proportions she had at the time and and it led I mean it led to a lot of body Im- image issues with women I know that uh, a lot of millennial women like survived uh, a time period in their teens where you know being incredibly incredibly thin was a big deal and that started with childhood having these very you know tiny Barbies with unrealistic bodies um, so I think that there's a lot of real for as much good in the dreams that Barbie created, it also has that like internalized, you know, message of like thinking that you have to be look perfect too. Definitely. Which includes the overconsumption. She always is clean and has lots of nice clothes, which is not accessible to lots of people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a really good stuff. point. She has so many stuff. things. She had so mm-hmm. many accessories and yeah. <laughs> she had her yeah. own house. We are a multi-generational household, so not relate. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Another ear- unrealistic expectation, at least for, like, our generation of, like, Barbie has her own house. Like, what is, 
that like most of us are like mm-hmm. is that even a realistic expectation anymore i don't know mm-hmm. and a dream house even that's true <laughs> a three-story really it's not a barbie it one bedroom apartment it's a, it's a mansion <laughs> a lot to live up to a lot to live up to yeah to get into the movie a little bit we're gonna give just a short little synopsis here is so barbie lives in this seemingly idealistic barbie land um it's it is very idealistic like we just described um she has her big dream house but pretty quickly into the movie things start negatively changing she starts noticing these changes within herself and what she's thinking about and physically things are changing um she travels to the real world to solve it and quickly realizes that um, it is very different than Barbie Land. It's very different than what she was expecting it to be. Both she and Ken um, experience and learn what patriarchy is for the first time. And they have very different experiences with mm-hmm. that, with coming into contact with that. And so she had this idea that she, Barbie had solved all of the world's problems and she would be greeted with open arms. And that is not the case at all. Um, in Barbie Land, all the women um, hold all of the positions of power. They're confident, they're successful. It's like this dream ideal image um, for women. Um, Everything is happy and perfect and the women have parties and sleepovers. It looked fun. It did look fun. (laughs) (laughs) And they did everything, even the like construction workers for women. Like I thought that was, uh, that was kind of (laughs) neat. Yes. And, and the kids, they they had a little bit of a different experience with that, right? They mm-hmm. they didn't did they have jobs? Not really. Ken, no. his job was beach. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the kins not really, lifeguard. Not lifeguard. Not lifeguard. Just, yeah. Just not to be beach. confused with lifeguard. <laughs> and their whole existence seems to be focused on Barbie and wanting Barbie's attention. Barbie's were not interested in hanging out with the kins. Kins were pretty superfluous. They were unnecessary. We don't even know where they live. They don't they don't have houses. They just kind of exist. And Ken's happiness, his entire validation and identity come from Barbie and having her attention. That's his mm-hmm. entire motivation throughout the beginning of the movie is what can he do to get her to look at him. And It's very similar to how women are historically portrayed in film. Um, Mm -hmm. Women are typically the ones that are trying to get the male's attention and their entire identity is revolved around the men in the in movies and media. So, yeah, Ken is. Yeah, he's like a child. They're both they're both kind Mm -hmm. of childlike in Barbie land. Um, And he's not he's not stupid. I think that he's just naive and they're both like children and then when they shift from Barbie land into the real world it's like they're experiencing patriarchy for the first time and having to sort of piece together what that means for each one of them separately and and they don't even know it's patriarchy like Ken eventually learns what patriarchy is by going to a school library but before that like they are roller skating down the beach and what I think is southern california or rollerblading excuse Mm -hmm. me i feel like i should know better than that they are rollerblading (laughs) (laughs) down the beach and the world is interacting with them in a very different way Mm -hmm. um that 
Barbie's being catcalled and Ken is also getting a lot of attention, but Barbie feels scared. Yeah. What does she say? She says there's a undertone of violence and Ken is like, I don't feel that. (laughs) Yeah. He loves all the attention he's getting. And she's like, I'm feeling aware of myself. Like I'm feeling aware, but it's like of myself. Like she's even learning what (laughs) self-consciousness is and what that feels like. And she actually experiences violence. She gets assaulted. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She gets slapped on the bottom. On the- yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they go through their own journeys of, like, Barbie trying to figure out, like, watching the movie, of course, you'll find out that, like, Barbie has her own journey that she needs to go on. And Ken just sort of attaches onto that. But through Ken learning about patriarchy through reading at the library... Mm-hmm. He then takes some of that information back to Barbie land. Yeah. Um, and creates the kingdom. Yeah. And I want to point out really quickly, I feel like there's a lot of parallels in the sense that like the kins in general, their biggest worry was being ignored and neglected mm-hmm. and not being validated and seen and give, being given attention. When experiencing the real world, Barbie's biggest worry was violence and mm-hmm. I feel like that's very similar to, you know, what what we experience in the real world now mm-hmm. is that you hear men concerned about when they go on a first date. It's the biggest fear I feel like for men is like being rejected. And for mm-hmm. women, the, their biggest fear is being harmed physically. Right. Yeah. Loss yeah. of life. Loss of life. Yeah. Even experiencing that. That's like the biggest like juxtaposition, too, from when you go to Barbie land to the real world. And, and to think like, oh, and they're immediately like, oh, this is the opposite of Barbie land. But it's like, even though the main difference is, you know, the women are the main characters in Barbie land and, you know, men kind of rule the real world or whatever. It's the violence to me is mm-hmm. what the no- was the most noticeable standout, because even though women were in charge or the Barbies were in charge of Barbie land, there was no one was in fear of violence. But the second they got to you know, the real world, Barbie was like, I feel like there's an undertone of violence. Which is pretty upsetting, though understandable, because Ken was so, felt so powerless that he brings patriarchy back to Barbie land and creates the Kendom. Uh, the Kendom is a place where men are in completely in charge. He thought that patriarchy was a lot about horses, so he brought a lot of horse imagery (laughs) with him um as well as less funny things where the women completely serve Mm -hmm. the men and cater to all of their interests and needs uh and the men in turn treat the barbies like property barbie land was definitely based off of this girl boss feminism which is more about collecting status and power while it's still adhering to gender stereotypes or most gender stereotypes, as opposed to feminism, which is about gender uh, equality. And the Kendom was based off of patriarchy, but the movie teaches us that both were bad, and in the end, the Barbies want to move on with something different. Because the idea even inside feminism, isn't for us to match patriarchy, but to break all of those gendered expectations down. Yeah, I had never heard term before uh, girl boss feminism when you mentioned it. And I really like the explanation you gave because that's the way I, at least I understand it is it's having this same 
instead of, you know, treating everyone like equals, it's still kind of just similar to patriarchy in the way it's just women doing it, where it's all about power, status, like hustle culture. And then there's also still this very, there's still a lot of pressure to fit into uh, like a gender norm. There was still a lot of pressure for the Barbies to look like Barbie, right? Because they, they didn't treat weird Barbie very well at first, or they or they just didn't really, they didn't have anything to do with her, you know? So yeah, that was really interesting to hear that. She was ostracized. Yeah. Yeah, they started to see her as like, how can we make sure we don't end up like you? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. She was like the warning tale. Yeah. She was. Yeah, and that Barbie moving outside of like Barbie land, you get to see her experience emotions and have like anxieties and fears and even see somebody who's aging and how that's a different experience for her that um moving outside of like the ideal of like the hustle culture and girl boss feminism or whatever that there was more space for people to just be who they are um that there was space for un what is margaret robbie's barbie it's Stereotypical Barbie. Yes, stereotypical Barbie. There's space for stereotypical Barbie, but there's also space for the Barbie that achieves, but there's also space for like weird Barbie that towards the end of the movie, they're hoping that they just create a a society and an environment where everybody can be accepted and be okay. Yeah. And obviously both were bad for the Kens. The Kens didn't really feel like a sense of having value inside Barbie land. And then in the Kendom, they were alienated from each other they were really insecure and vulnerable way more vulnerable to their insecurities they didn't have a personality in barbie land outside of their barbie but then in the kingdom they didn't have a personality outside of being a man yeah right and they had very strict rules for it too right like yeah they they took like the four or five things they understood about what they thought the patriarchy <laughs> and then they were like this is our identity now so it was like their identity was like horses godfather trucks beer sports <laughs> yeah there was like yeah. five things and like that and like so there was no room to, there was still conforming there was no room for individuality yeah. yeah which watching can get to the real world and like there's this sequence that flashes a bunch of things where he gets to see men in positions of power and he sees himself represented in film and he gets to see so many opportunities for himself. I remember feeling that when I was growing up of like seeing, like even in the intro when I talked about like seeing Tyra Banks and Life Size, like for me, I was like, I can have a Barbie that looks like me too. So like for him, he's like, what can I do to hold on to this? Patriarchy allows me to feel valuable as a person too. And I don't know, I, I empathized with it. I feel like it really highlighted that like the issue really is patriarchy here in the real world um that it's not it's something that we can can create and contribute to but if we continue to look at it as like it's just an individual problem it doesn't really give us the opportunity to look at the concept or the system that patriarchy creates that we can then challenge and change Mm -hmm. Um, especially for those of us who feels like it doesn't work for us like alan and the movie the other poor alan yeah, who's not a Ken, but he fits into Ken's clothes or whatever it is that he says about himself. <laughs> but he's he, his buddy. Yes, yeah, he's Ken's buddy who also can fit into his clothes. But like Alan recognizes that like this doesn't the world that's being created within Barbie Land before Patriarch even gets there and afterwards like doesn't work for him. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of people in the real world that feel that way too. Yeah. So the, how do we create a space that feels 
that's welcoming for Alan, too. So just like Barbie Land put this pressure on all the Barbies to be perfect and be extraordinary, Alan didn't fit because he was not perfect or extraordinary. Patriarchy doesn't benefit men who are not traditionally handsome or are not super smart or don't want leadership positions. Yeah, or just don't want to fit in that box. Like they don't want to they don't want to like horses. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. They um, don't like classic rock. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um we're referring to the Matchbox 20 song that gets played a lot yeah. in that movie. <laughs> but then that reminds me of the connection to the work that we do that Megan had talked about, like not wanting to get put into a box. Um, and in the work that we do doing relationship violence prevention and sexual violence prevention, we talk about gender expectations and gender stereotypes with youth and young adults and even just adults within the community, everybody within the community and how those gendered expectations can be harmful. And we do this activity called gender boxes where we look at what it means when people say act like a man or be more ladylike. And what are those gendered expectations that we hear? And especially when we do this with youth, they are really good at being able to fill in those boxes pretty quickly of what the expectation is with boys. They know that they need to like sports and be strong and not have any emotions unless it's they get angry. Um, and they know that they need to be providers and want to achieve, or at least that's the expectation. And girls know that like they can have a ton of emotions, but people expect that that means that they're not going to be good in positions of leadership and that they can't control their emotions and that they want to get married and have kids, um, but they can't dress in a way that's going to draw attention to them, but they have to be attractive enough that's going to make men want them. And they have to be have these unrealistic body proportions like Barbie. And if they don't fit inside of those boxes on the outside, there's all of these words that they get called. Um, and they're really good, especially teenage girls, at being able to rattle off what those words are or what the actions are that get perpetrated against them, whether that's violence or more expectations. People who are trying to push them back into these boxes of like, you're not what I expect you to be. And I need you to go back into what these expectations are. And when we have those conversations with youth, we talk about what would it look like to break those boxes and allow people to just be who they are and step outside of those gendered expectations that the issue isn't necessarily gender, but the harm that comes from people trying to push expectations on people that they just don't identify with or they feel that it's not truly who they are. It makes me think of America for speech, like, and how we've had a lot of progress with feminism and we have more opportunities. It's come with a lot of added pressures, like the pressure and the grace or what, we didn't get any grace to come along with the added <laughs> responsibilities, I guess, or expectations. Yeah. And she puts it so like profoundly. And I think her speech and it's, it's pretty long, so I'm not going to like repeat the whole thing, but I think a lot of women, um, you know, really felt it like in their soul when she was saying, you know, just how it can feel so impossible to be a woman. Like, like you said, like you need to be thin, but not too thin. You can't ever admit that you want to be thin. Like you want to, you know, you need to have money, but you can't ask for money. You got to be a leader, but you can't be too mean. You need to be sure of yourself, but you need, you know, all these, it's always, everything has a caveat. We can't just be who we are unapologetically. And I think that so many people resonated with that monologue that she gave because we feel, <laughs> because that pressure is really real, you know, of feeling like no matter what I do, 
it's not going to be right. And no matter what I do, there's going to be someone there to tell me that I'm not woman enough or that I'm not feminist enough or, you know, something. I'm not enough. Like there's going to be someone there to, to naysay. And, and uh, that was one thing that was really beautiful about the movie was all the love that the Barbies had for one another, um, especially at the end when they had learned their lesson. But yeah, that was some, like the supporting one another, I think, was the best part. <laughs> I agree. And you learn later in the movie that you think that Barbie is on this journey to connect to like the teenage girl who's in the movie. And you clearly learn that it's like America Ferreira's adult character who she brings back out the Barbies that remind her of her childhood and she's playing with them. But then they remind her of the unrealistic expectations that Barbie has given her and many other girls like her and how she starts to draw Barbie in ways that she wants to see that she feel represents her more. She wants a Barbie that has anxiety and she wants a Barbie that has cellulite and maybe even a Barbie who's a little bit scared about thinking about death and dying and has things that she worries about. And there's even like a part in the movie where at the end she's proposing like it would be nice to have a Barbie with unrealistic I guess like with more realistic expectations that maybe she just enjoys life and has a nice top on. Um, yeah. which I was like, I identify with that. Sometimes <laughs> you just want to wear a nice shirt and feel good about yourself. <laughs> I really liked, because everybody does freeform play with Barbies. They all make up different stories with Barbies. It's not like from a show or a pre-assigned idea. And that was, those drawings are her continuing to do that, but in a way that feels authentic to adulthood which gets us to the end of the movie where as i think we've mentioned a little bit earlier in our discussion that they get to a point where they recognize that barbie land isn't working for them they don't exactly want things to be like they are in the real world but they want to change things in barbie land and what can they do to make it feel better for everybody who's living there for the barbies for the kens for alan and midge and whoever else is also in barbie land and Barbie even has this conversation with Ken about it's okay to be an individual um, and to just be who you are and be valuable for who you are in that way. Um, they come to this conclusion that they don't have to prescribe to the ideas of either being perfect or extraordinary in the way that Barbie feels like she has to be um, or any of the Barbies feel like they have to be. And with Ken, that he's just enough and who he is, that it doesn't have to just be his relationship with Barbie, um, that it's more than just recognizing that he can have emotions, but he can also be valuable for who he is, um, and that they don't have to fit into these boxed-in expectations of what it means to exist in this society um, that they're creating together, um, which I thought was really nice to land on. Granted, we all still live in the real world, so I was like, that sounds cool and fun, and I hope that we can actually do that in our real world, which we're in the business of doing that. That's our jobs. So mm -hmm. I would like to think that, of course, we have the, we think that that's possible, because otherwise, why would we be doing this if we didn't think it was possible, right? Um, to have conversations where we change the norm, and as Megan mentioned, like we've seen social change over time, and as we've mentioned in other episodes, we've seen that change over time, but... There's still a lot of change I want to see. I don't want it to just be that Barbie is the only female president um, in the United States that we see that we grow up. I want to be able to see that and 
see more opportunities for everybody and that also men and people who aren't men just to know that they are enough and it's okay for you to just be who you are um it was a nice nice way to wrap up the movie i agree yeah which brings us to our prevention and action tip which is you are enough enough (laughs) (laughs) as ken reminded us enough Um, You're more than society's expectations, including those gendered expectations that we're all pretty aware of, especially from a young age. And today's tip is to be aware of how you reinforce those expectations within yourself and in your community Um, and recognize that everybody does it. Um, But we can all take steps to challenge those harmful expectations and accept ourselves and each other for who we truly are. So that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Speak up. Speak out. And be outspoken.